Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. Why my money matters to God. As the kids are running out of here, they're saying, please get me out of here. I don't want to listen to this guy again. All right. I totally get it. Your teachers are, I'm sure, way more funner than me. All right. I think I've done this before, but I'm sorry. I have to indulge. Uh, Alex Estelia is here. And, and it was like when I was 20, we were in college together. He and I. And there were five of us in one house or something like that. Yeah, five crazy guys. Yeah. And you were the only believer right here. Why don't you stand and turn around and just wave to everybody. Just show you your face here. There he is. Yeah. And, and the reason why I'm... <laughs> The reason why I'm doing that is because this guy is the reason why I started following Jesus, right? It was this guy right here. He was the catalyst, man. He tipped me over the edge. And, uh, and here he shows up for church every now and then. And uh, it's so awesome. You haven't changed a bit. People say that to me all the time. I'm like, I'm sure I have. But yeah, we'll take it. Yes, I was going to ask you. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, no, he... His brother, Noel, he was the nicest guy. We actually worked the same kind of job. He worked for ARCO, and I worked for BP on the slope, and, and he was just stubborn. He would not give his life to Jesus. Man, he held on. When did he get saved? When? Three weeks ago. Goodness. I mean, how old is the guy now? He's got to be older than you and I. Well, anyway, okay. Yeah, I know, we're all getting old. But, uh, well, that's exciting. I was just thinking about Noel. Tell him I said hi, and congratulations. I'd love to see him again. Super, you got a great family. So, anyway, well, I, I, we're sorry about that. We're just having a conversation here. But, uh, anyway, shoestring, shoestring. This is what we're talking about why my money matters to God. And today, we're actually talking about the joy of joining. It's this partnership that God calls us into. It's a beautiful partnership, let me tell you what, because we end up actually on the better side of the whole deal. Okay? Now, there's principles in generosity. Uh, that we've been talking about this last four weeks, uh, now fourth week, uh, concerning specifically money this time. And uh, you get to understand something. You're not alone in your generosity. Whenever you're giving, God is involved at a very high level. And not only God, but we are all involved together. And that's how we make such an impact in our community, in our region. When everybody joins in together, it's amazing what can happen. Uh, Let me read this verse before I get any further because here, here's the bottom line. When you partner with God in anything, you become a mighty force on this earth. And that's what happens through our giving. Philippians chapter one, verse three through six says this. And God, and Paul's talking to the Philippians. They were joining him in partnership in giving financially in every other way. And he says, look, every time I, I think of you guys, he says, I thank God every time I remember you. In, my, all, in all of my prayers for you, for all of you, uh, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. They've been really going beyond themselves. From the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now he's talking about this ongoing work that is being accomplished and God's going to complete that. He's going to complete that through you and I right here where we live. And he's doing that. One of these wonderful expressions of partnership is what we did back in May. Remember when we took one 
Sunday. We didn't have church here, celebration Sunday. We all came here, but we got together and we had a plan and we went out and we renovated three parks that day. And uh, let me tell you, we went out, we, we, we raked and we painted and we cleaned and we poured concrete. We did all kinds of stuff. And when we got done, we did it so fast, we accomplished it probably an hour earlier than we thought because so many people pitched in. That's the power of partnership. That's what happens. The multiplication of effort and what gets done when people join together, it's wonderful. So we, we even thought we should have added another park. We could have done more because we had so much help. This is what happens when you, when you join together. That's why we are receiving this generous uh, generosity Sunday for the benevolence offering through all of our campuses. Somebody may give $100, somebody may give 20, somebody may give 5,000 or 1,000. But when needs come up throughout the year, right in our own backyard where we live, where we're able to pay somebody's light bill or help somebody who's really in a bad way, that, that, that deposit we make is, a, is evidence of everybody's partnership. Everybody gets to play a role in that. Everybody has contributed one way or another. And so it's really wonderful and powerful to see what God does through his church, even through next year. I'm excited to see what he's going to do. But today, as we partner with one another, we're partnering with God. And I want you to think of, have this in the back of your mind on what we're going to be talking about today, because it involves God's promises that become a reality to us when we partner with him. Now, the words promise and promises are actually used over a thousand times in the English translation in the scriptures. One scholar did a study, and he observed and counted that there are over 8,000 different promises of God in the Bible. That's a lot of promises, chock full. And the Bible tells us, basically, that God is a promise-making God, and he's a promise-keeping God. And his promises are literally for everyone. Now, God's promises are, I would say, they're like a kind of like a divine insurance policy, if you could think of it that way. Now, if you have an insurance policy, whether it's car insurance, home insurance, health insurance, and all that kind of stuff, you kind of want to know what that insurance covers, correct? It's kind of a good idea. And if you know what your insurance policy covers, then you kind of at ease a little bit. You got a little peace in your life on a superficial level, really, because the ultimate peace comes from God. But you don't sweat things out too bad when stuff happens because, well, you got the insurance policy and you kind of know what's going on there. Uh, but if... You look at God's promises, for instance, a lot of people don't know what God's promises are. Therefore, they're kind of sweating it out. They live under a lot of stress. They worry a lot. So we got to understand and what God's promises are for us, for you and I. It's really important. Now, there's a ton of promises in throughout the scriptures. God promises to help us. He promises wisdom. He promises power. He promises forgiveness. He promises guidance and salvation and blessing. He promises heaven. He promises success and victory. And I could go on and on and on and on. But there are some fundamental facts about the promises of God that we need to grasp this morning. And the first one is this. Uh, first of all, if God wants us to build our life on his promises, not on a bunch of rules, and the only way you can fully do that is by giving your life to Jesus Christ and following him because he connects us to those promises. He's the one who connects us. He's the life and living. He's given us a new and living way through him. Doesn't the Bible say that the promises of God are yes and amen in 
Christ Jesus. He's the connector. Now there's two promise, kinds of promises that God gives us in the scripture. The first one is unconditional. Uh, and he also makes conditional promises, but the unconditional one, there's no strings attached. It's something God is just going to do. There's a lot of those in the scripture. For instance, uh, the second coming of Christ. God says, you know, that's just going to happen. I planned it. It's going to happen. It doesn't depend on you guys. You know, you know there's going to be the rapture, and then there's going to be the second coming, and all that eschatology stuff that I'm not going to talk about. But anyway, it's there. And God says, this is going to happen. Doesn't doesn't require anything from you. But then there's these conditional promises. That's the second one. Now, that's based on your obedience and my obedience. If I do this, then God will do this. It's, it's not automatic. They're just not automatically yours. You have to meet a requirement, a circumstance, or a condition for that to happen. Now, this has nothing to do with your salvation. That's a free and beautiful gift. That's a promise of God when you give your life to Jesus Christ. All this other stuff, this is just like, if you do this, God says, well, I'll do this. And you think you can outdo me here, God says? Well, let's just try it out and try this and see what happens, right? So you gotta, you got to meet a requirement. If you don't, you forfeit the promise. In other words, there's a premise to every promise, and it's conditional. Now, God makes promises for us for a couple different reasons that are really important. First of all, God gives us these wonderful, beautiful 8,000, over 8,000 promises in the Bible to teach us really to trust Him in difficult times. Huge. This is big. Psalms 119.50 says this, My comfort in my suffering is this. Here's my comfort. Your promise has preserved my life. Did you get that? Isn't that amazing? I mean, if you didn't have bad times or bad circumstances, you would need God's promises. How many here, man, have been through really tough times and you just hung on to his promises? Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons why we have the promises of God. When Psalms 119 says, you're my refuge and my shield. Your promises are my only source of hope. Wow. Have you ever been there? Oh, man, you were just hanging on by a thread. It was difficult. It was stress. It was hard. But you had God's promises. Promises are good. Let me give you another reason why he gives us all these promises. Because he wants to make you like his son, Jesus Christ. Everything that we go through in this life, good or bad, is all designed, if you're walking with God, to make you more like his son. That's the ultimate end goal. That's a good end goal. I'll give you an example here. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Through these, he has given us this very great and precious promises. So that through them, through what? Through the promises, you may participate in the divine nature. All these promises in the Bible so that his nature will become part of us. That's interesting. The more you trust in God's promises, the more they're going to change your life, the more you're going to grow into becoming more like Jesus. Oh, those are two really good reasons for God's promises. Now, let's get back into this whole partnership thing and this how this works in our life. Because let me... you. I could just say, let's take a guess on, in the Bible of what God made the most promises about. Um, some might say, well, faith, obviously. Somebody else might say, no, no, love. Because love is, you know, God is love and that's the greatest, Jesus' love. Um, not correct. Some might say patience. This might surprise you, but there are more promises connected to the generosity and giving than anything else in the Bible. As a matter of fact, Jesus talked more about giving than he talked about anything else. 
Isn't that amazing? Giving. So how does that work? No wonder why we're spending four Sundays on this. It's pretty important to God, so it better be important to us. So why does God make more promises about being generous and giving? Well, this is a partnership that he calls us into. Um, again, God is generous. He's a giving God, and he wants us to be like him. He wants us to take on his qualities. Everything we have in life is because of the generosity, the goodness, and the grace of God. Everything. John chapter 1, verse 16. I'm going to use the NIV and the message paraphrase throughout this because sometimes the message just says things so good. For instance, this one verse says it this way. We live off of his generous bounty, gift after gift after gift. Isn't that great? So true. Everything you and I have in life is because of God's generosity towards us. And he wants us to become like him, like father, like son, like father, like daughter. All right, let me give you another. And I'm going to start. Let me just give you some reasons why we partner with God in this. First of all, giving is hard, right? Would you agree? When you're, especially when you're first starting out, it can be hard. The reason why it's hard is because it challenges our selfishness. Remember, we are born into this world as takers, yet then we get born again as givers. Something transforms in our heart and we begin to become joyful and generous and sacrificial. How we define giving. Um, but a lot of times we don't want people to have it. We want to spend it. It still goes against our nature. But God gives rewards for us by learning to be like him. And there's things that are triggered in our life when we're givers like God. So I'm going to dive into these promises about generosity, about being giving givers. Um, and I can only cover a few because there's a ton, but I, I just want to highlight some that will encourage you to keep partnering with God and joining him in the days ahead. This is a happy message. Yeah, I mean like happy message. I'm a good news guy anyway. I'm going to give you good news. The gospel's good news. That's what it's called. Finney or Wesley or somebody says the good glad merry news that makes the heart sing and dance and leap for joy. So there you go. All right. So good things are going to happen to me when I'm generous, when I'm a giver. That's the first one. How many want good things to happen to you? Of course you do. Nobody wants bad stuff to happen, do you? Come on. Okay, let's look at what it says in Psalms 112.5. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely. That's enough for me. Well, look, look, Proverbs 22.9 says, The generous will themselves be blessed. I'm going to be throwing down a lot of scripture just so you know. Okay, those are God's promises. He wants you to be blessed in your life. I think that's a good way to start. God wants goodness to flow into your life. He wants good things to happen to you. Giving somehow unlocks that lock. It's the key. Let me give you another one. This is a powerful one. If we really get a hold of this. My children will be blessed. Do you know that everything we do is generationally? We must live our lives in light of generations. I said this before. What one generation does, the next generation will do in excess. Sometimes that's iniquity. Sometimes that's unrighteousness. And God wants to expand what you're doing to the next generation and expand from that generation to the next generation. Everything we do, we can't get away from it, affects the next generation. Psalms 37, 26 says this. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. It's enough for me, man. I love that. When you learn to be givers the way God gives, that blessing will not only bless you now, but according to Scripture, this good news that's happening in your life, this good work is going to be passed in the next generation, right? 
you learn to be generous and your kids will be blessed and they'll be blessed and your kids' kids will be blessed and will continue to perpetuate. Let me give you another one. He'll bless my work and my business. How many want the work of your hands to be blessed and what you do? Sure you do. You don't want to be toiling and toiling and toiling and just wake up tired, blisters, nothing happening. God says, no, there's more to it. It's not just my family, but my business. Proverbs 3.9 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Honor God with the first part, it says. When we talked about that already. We talked about the tithe, the tenth, the starting place. And I don't want to go back into all that, but because of that, the premise, the promise is, your barns are going to be filled overflowing and your vats will be full of new wine. And you're going, well, I don't really have a barn and I'm not sure what a vat is. And, you know, and I get that, right? Um, uh, but this is, let me put this in cultural context, okay? Um, the Bible, in Bible times, almost everybody was a farmer and a lot of people had a barn. And look inside their barn, you could see how their business was doing, how their enterprise was going, how their livelihood was. That's kind of what we're talking about here. But what God is saying basically to us is you can learn, you learn to be generous like him, to learn to give, and then he's going to bless your work, your career, the investments, how you make a living. Proverbs 11.25 says this, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Love those verses. Y'all want to prosper and do well in your business? Sure you do. Everybody wants to profit and do well. That's, God says you fulfill the premise and here's the promise. He'll bless. Deuteronomy 15.10. Look at the message paraphrase here. It says, give freely and give spontaneously. That's the premise. Don't have a stingy heart. The way you handle matters like this triggers God's blessing. It triggers something. I like that. Wow. Are you getting a little encouraged? You're getting happier. I know. Thanksgiving weekend, you're tired. You've, you've got turkey and you're, you've ate too much and you're thinking about your diet and stuff, right? Mm. Good. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either until January 1. But God wants to bless what you do and bless your work, all right? Now, these are amazing promises. Good will come to you. Good will come to your kids. Good will come to your work. I mean, just going to trigger things and cut things loose. Here's another one. I'll be happier. Now, you might be thinking, oh, come on. That's a little superficial. I don't care. I'd still rather be happy than sad. Wouldn't you? I'd still rather be in a good mood than a bad mood. And if God, you know, the, the words interchangeably blessed or happy. Remember, we talked about it's not happy that you're going to have stuff. You give to give, to grow in the grace of giving for the outflow of your life. Now, as your standard of giving goes up, your standard of living seems to follow somehow. That's just a byproduct, a result of what God does, because he's just amazing. But that's for the purpose of what you have, not that that will possess you, but you'll possess what you have so that you can bring greater blessing through what you have. That's where the happiness comes in. If you just try to be happy with having stuff, there's no joy in that. We know that. You just got to take care of it, maintain it. Okay, so I'll be happier. Now, everyone knows this except for people who really are stingy, right? Okay. Um, Acts 20, 35, Luke is quoting Jesus' words. He says, And everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words 
The Lord Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than receive. Blessed, happy. The giving. Yeah, Christmas is right around the corner. Um, I know as a kid, I loved Christmas. Still do. I love it a different way. I really like getting gifts. Is there a kid in the house that doesn't like getting gifts? Sure, we love it. But now, you ever notice when you mature and you get older, it's not so much about getting excited about what gifts you get, but about getting your kids gifts or your grandkids gifts or getting people stuff. There's just something about it. And then tormenting your kids for a month. I wonder what you got, you know? Just tease and torment and, and just drive them crazy until Christmas morning and you get to see them going nuts. And it's just like, yeah, this is so fun. I, why is it? Why is that shift happening in us? We want to give, because I think it's a sign of maturity. I really do. I think we grow up and we mature and find out this is really what it's about. And you kind of evolve into that, thankfully. Now, God, so God wants to mature us into that. Now, our business, he'll bless you. You'll, you'll get happier. Your business will be blessed, right? Your, your children, um, there's so much good happening. Things are triggering. Things are breaking loose. Here's another one. And I love this one. I really believe this. My influence will increase. It's just like when we did the parks, uh, renovated the parks and, and did all that. You know, the mayor came out and the city manager, they took pictures, they were thrilled, they posted articles. It, what's, that, what's happening? They're, first of all, they're grateful and they're thanking us and they're grateful for us. But influence, the church's influence grows through that. We have... Our words count a little more now. What we say, maybe I'll listen now. You know, it's something about your giving and generosity that does increase and enlarge your ability to influence those around us. Just a byproduct of it. It's an outflow of it. Proverbs 11.24 says this, The world of the generous gets larger and larger. This is the message paraphrase. I like how they put it. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Right? In other words, the more stingy are the harder it gets and the smaller things get and the more walls come up and we just kind of hammer ourselves in because it's me and mine. I got to hang on to what I have. And, and God says, you need to break out of that because along with your generosity and your giving comes influence. Your world expands. It becomes expansive. I, I really believe that, I, I hope this is true, that if Church on the Rock evaporated all of our campuses, that our communities would really miss us. They would go, man, they were such a blessing. I really like those people. They did a lot of good things around here. They were kind of like salt. They were light. They were a voice of hope. Because if Church Rock disappears, you disappear. Now, short of the rapture, that's probably not going to happen, right? Um, but uh, that's influence. That's influence. That's the kind of mark we want to leave and influence we want to have. Here's another one. God promises that if you give like him, you're going to end up with more. Now, we talked a little bit about this last week, that you don't reap till you sow. This is according to Scripture. I broke it down. And then you always reap more than you sow. That's the really good, happy, glad news. Because if you sow, you always kind of want to reap more, right? That's the investment coming out, right? Um, that's part of God's economy. That's just how he does it. He somehow supernaturally can do that kind of stuff. And we see it all the time. And you can't outgive God. It's like God does this game. He says, you give to me, I'll give to you. See who wins. He says, you give to that person, oh, I'll give you even more. And, and this thing happens. And this is what Jesus said in Luke 6, 38. He says, give and it will be given unto you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap. 
For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You ever try to do that? You're pouring sack in a bag and you're trying to get it all in there and so you're kind of shaking it like that. You get a little more, pour a little more in there, you get a little more. Then you kind of tap it on the ground. You're trying to pack it in there. You ever done that? You know, that's kind of what he's talking about. But what he's talking about here is God says, I'm taking it a step further. There's going to be a running over. He says, this is going to run over. In other words, the purpose isn't so you can get. The purpose is so there can be something flowing out of your life. It'll just begin to brim over. It'll be con- continuous outflow of, of the grace of giving, growing in your life and expanding. And it's this beautiful picture what he's called us to. It's a result. That's what he's after. The measure you use will be measured to you. Jesus summarizes that that way. Otherwise, the way you give to others is the way God's going to give to you. And you get to determine how much that will be. God waits for me to be a giver. He waits for me to prime the pump because he wants me to learn to be like him. Like Jesus. You know, God so loved the world that he gave. You can't, I said this before, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. You spell love, G-I-V-E. God so loved the world he gave. Okay, let me give you another scripture. You look like you're hankering for another one. Okay, here you go. Proverbs eleven twenty four. It says, one person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. That's pretty good. You get to determine again how much blessing will be triggered. Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is kind to the poor, and again, there are so many scriptures in the Bible concerning the poor. It's amazing. This is just one of them. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. I'm not really sure how that works. I mean, if I'm generous to the poor, it's like I'm lending to the Lord. That means God's going to pay me back for what I did. I like that. I mean, I like that sound of that a little bit. He says, that's like giving an investment. God's saying, look, I'm going to pay you back. There's another translation out there. It says something like, God pays great interest on your loan. It's like loaning to the Lord, right? I'm not really giving the money away. It's like I'm sending it ahead somehow and God's paying back with interest or something. I, it's interesting. Well, I'll let you just chew on that for a little bit. Let's go to the next one. God's promises to meet all my needs. You're like We talked a little bit about this last week. This is important though. This is, this is huge. We all have needs. Philippians 4, 17, 19 says, not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. There's a credit God wants to bring into our account concerning even our needs, because he goes on to say that my God will meet all your needs according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Jesus said that. He says, I'll meet all your needs, not all your greeds. We tend to try to push things in the need part compartment that don't really go there. You ever done that? I really do need this, Lord. God's like, come on. Really, I do. <laughs> it's a desire. Nothing wrong with desires. Sometimes God meets them, sometimes he doesn't. Depends on what's going on in your life, I guess, or where you're at, your character. But needs, he says, I'll, I'm there. What matters to you in that compartment matters to God. So he does it. Now, Proverbs 28, 27 says this, those who give to the poor will lack nothing. You get that? 
lack nothing. That's meeting your needs. But those who close their eyes to them receive many curses. Wow, is that a contrast or what? Now, when he says lack nothing, does he mean nothing? Like emotional, physical, spiritual, mental? I think so. These are great verses to ponder, to meditate on. That's why we do these benevolence offering, because through the scripture, and I've only given you a few of how important the poor are to the Lord and how much they're on his heart. And through our benevolence offering, we are positioned as a church to be able to really meet those needs, especially the poor in our community. So, so important, so huge. <clears throat> Let me give you a second Corinthians chapter nine, verse seven and eight. We hit on this a little bit last week. Let me break it down a little bit here. It says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. In other words, nobody should be telling you what to do, what to give. What's generous to you may not be to another person and vice versa. Depends on, you know, people make different amounts and there's certain sacrifices. Then he goes on to say, not reluctantly or under compulsion. In other words, you should never feel pressure to give. If you do, you need to just leave, right? Don't, don't ever be feel pressured. Then he goes on to say, for God loves a cheerful giver, although he will receive it from a grouch. If you're in a bad mood, God's okay with that. He works on that, all right? But he wants people to give cheerfully. That's a Greek word, cheerful, where he is uh, hilarious. That's where you get the word hilarious. There's something really hilarious and fun and joyful God wants to see happen in your life. Um, Lori and I, were, we watched the Scrooge the other day. Uh, it's the one that Jim Carrey uh, narrates. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that one. Gosh, it's really well done. But the Scrooge, man, he was such a great Scrooge. He was just miserly as all get out. I mean, miserly is where you get the word miserable, right? I mean, this dude was, man. And then all of a sudden when the transformation happens, the guy goes nuts with giving. It's just such a cool illustration. I mean, he's dancing with people and he's, he's smiling and he's singing and he's just ridiculous. It's just fun to watch. It really warms your heart to see the transformation that happened. But that's the kind of joyfulness I believe God wants to bring out in people. Then he goes on to saying, God is able to bless you abundantly. That's a promise. Here it is. So that in all things at all times, having all that you need. That's three alls. Last week we talked about the Greek word for all was all. Right? Remember that? All means all. Good. Okay. That you will abound in every good work. There'll be a great outflow of your life. You'll continue to abound in the out. So now this is what's interesting why I brought this back up. Because God is not really allowing <clears throat> any wiggle room for himself in this verse. Um, he says, in other words, I want you to learn this generosity, this cheerfulness, this spontaneous giving, not neglect, not um, uh, triggered. Of, it's not a regret, not out of regret or neglect or pressure or compulsion, but just cheerful, generous, sacrificial kind of giving. He says, if you do that, then all, in all your need, all, at all times, in all things, in all places. He just doesn't give himself any wiggle room. He says, if you do that, then bam, needs will be met. All times, all places, all things. Really amazing. Okay, I won't beat that one down anymore. You guys got that, right? God's guaranteeing. Can I give you another one? Okay. He'll multiply what I give him. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah, I like it a lot. He goes even further. 
I mean, there's examples in scriptures where Jesus feeds the 5,000 or more with a couple loaves and a fish from a boy's sack, sack lunch, and, and uh, God just multiplies. It's this miracle of multiplication that happens. It's really marvelous to be, to participate in that. He takes a little, you give it to God, he releases a lot. I, I figured that, this is kind of what I figured, if you need more of something in your life, give it to God. You need more time? Give God the first part of your time, and you'll probably end up with more time. If you need more energy in your life, give God the first, first part of your energy, and he'll give you more, you'll find out, yeah, I got a little more energy today. Need more money? You give God the first part, not your leftovers, and he gives more. It's amazing how that works all throughout the Bible. God compares giving and generosity actually to planting seeds. You see that metaphor a lot. It's like planting seeds. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 through 11. Now he supplies seed for the sower, not the keeper, but the sower, and bread for food will also supply an increase in your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of righteousness. Influence being enlarged in every way, again. And he'll, he'll make what you plant grow and increase. Um, and you'll be enriched in every way so that you could be, what? Generous. It's for the purpose of, again, generosity, outflow on all occasions. And through us, your generosity will result in a thanksgiving to God. What's so beautiful about that is it shows you how giving and generosity is evangelistic in influence. It causes people to thank God. It causes people to come into awareness that there's a God out there who cares about me because my needs are being met somehow. It's powerful. So put it this way, God doesn't need your money. You know that. But giving is not a debt you owe, it's a seed you sow. That's a good way to remember it. Giving is not a debt I owe. It's simply a seed that I'm called to sow. And as I do that, God, there's certain things that are triggered in my life and God begins to respond. He wants to teach us to trust him in this. Become more like him. Generosity. It's a miracle of multiplication. Right? You plant a kernel. A stalk of corn comes up. It's probably three or four ears. Each year has 12 to 1600 kernels. That isn't God an amazing multiplier? It's really remarkable. It's the principle of multiplication. Now, um, it's about sowing seed, as I said, when it comes to money. Money is not good, it's not bad, it's neutral. You can use it for good, you can use it for bad. We covered a lot of that in the very first message, dealing with mammon, not bowing down to mammon but serving God. But I can use good money for good, for building the kingdom of God, or it can be leveraged for evil. We can invest it and send it ahead for the kingdom of heaven and reap a mighty harvest. But we get to decide the size of harvest we want to reap. 2 Corinthians 6, 9, 9, 6, I'll say it one more time. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. Whoever sows generously, reaps generously. You get to decide. He puts that ball in our court by how we give. The size of the harvest is determined by how much we sow, the size of sowing. Oh, the worship team come out. I want to wrap it up with this final thought here. And this is really important that we understand this. Um, in planting seed and waiting for the harvest, the harvest is never immediate. You ever notice that? This is Christianity. 
there's a God commits our, he wants us to commit our lives to walking in obedience and faith line upon line precept upon precept one step at a time we're in a marathon Christianity is not about microwave quick results it's not like that at all it's about planting and growing and harvesting you see it all through scriptures nothing's ever immediate it seems like there's a season where we plant and then there's a season where you harvest they may be six months apart now granted you may do something and you may be something see something immediately a surprise and it's a blessing and God does that all the time but generally overall he has called us to be a people who have a lifestyle of giving and generosity that just bleeds through our life and everything we do and is full of faith. God is not a slot machine where you put the coin in, you pull the lever, and bam, jackpot. God's not a gambling man. The Bible says he's like a farmer, and he calls us to be like farmers, where you plant in one season and you reap in another. Let me give you one more verse. You thought I was done. I'll give you one more verse. This is a cool verse out of Ecclesiastes 11.1. It says this, Ship your grain across the sea. And in many days, you may receive a return. It's kind of like sowing and reaping. All right? There's that time delay between sowing and reaping, planting and harvest, between giving and receiving. Why the delay? Maybe God just wants us to continue to grow and trusting in Him. You know, He said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. You plant it and that tree begins to grow. A little stub comes out pretty soon. Finally, you've got this great big tree, but it takes time. You know, if you ever planted a fruit tree, I've done this when we were in California, I planted an orange tree and a lemon tree, and it took time for that tree to mature and develop. And finally one day, a little green fruit emerged, and it was real hard, and it was green, and it was small. And I, I thought, hey, this is pretty exciting, but this is taking longer than I thought. But finally one day, there was a bright orange, delicious fruit. And I was able to pick it and enjoy it, but it took time. It began with plowing. It began with planting, watering, fertilize, and a little bit of prayer, I'll be honest with you. But it's amazing what came. But it didn't happen overnight. And our lives are like that. This is what God calls us to. He says, be the people of faith. If you got things immediately, it wouldn't require faith. This is, this is what he's calling us to, to develop this lifestyle, this habit of ongoing partnering with God through the scriptures, what the scripture says. And it triggers things in our life, but it may take time. Be patient. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Amen? And he's growing that in all of us as we grow in the grace of giving. Let's stand together. This morning, going through all these series of giving and generosity, and um, I was really stirred couple days ago by a song and it just came out of me um, but it's a song that we've all heard or maybe some of us have heard and haven't had the opportunity to listen to it but it's called give thanks and in that song it says give thanks and I couldn't help in that moment my spirit I just started singing that song in my in my house going up the stairs and this is after young adults and then I wanted to read a scripture. I know Pastor Chris has been throwing it down and he's been giving you some scriptures, but here's one more. I just want to read it. Isaiah 12, verse four. Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. 
Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. So we're going to do that this morning one last time. And we're going to just give thanks to him. So there's things that come upon your heart that you just want to express to him. I want to implore you, encourage you, edify you in that way to do so this morning. thanks with a grateful heart give thanks to the holy one give thanks because he's given jesus christ his son give thanks give thanks with a grateful heart Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ, His Son. And now that the weak say, I am strong, let the poor say, I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. And now, and now, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich because of what Yep, that's one of the greats. We just resurrected that song. One of the greats. So true. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. It's happened through thanksgiving. Thanksgiving reminds us that we should be a people of, of thanks living and giving. Amen. Let's, uh, let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for, Lord, a great week together, a great series together. And now, Lord, as we shift gears moving into December, I pray that the spirit of thanksgiving and giving would continue to permeate lives and hearts and homes and your church. Lord, we're so grateful again, Jesus Christ, for your life that was given for us on the cross. Lord, you came into this world. God, you put on flesh, you put on skin so that you could become like us to save us. We're so grateful. Such a great salvation. We'll never stop giving thanks to our great and mighty God. Lord, in this journey we're on together, I pray you'll continue to lead us to be a people of faithfulness, a people of generosity, people of patience, people that will sow diligently so that we will reap in due time. Thank you, Lord, for the promises of your word that are ours in Christ Jesus. In your name we pray. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play. Thank you.